Now, years ago, I went on a trip with some friends uh, on the Lower Gully River here in West Virginia. Uh, we went whitewater rafting. It was an exciting experience. It was a little scary, but thankfully we had an awesome guide that helped us get through uh, the, the rapids. Uh, someone who knew what they were doing. And without that guide, it could have been a tragedy for our group in that raft. Now, imagine being alone on a river with intense rapids in a kayak fighting your way through them. That sounds terrifying to an untrained individual. But for my guest today, that is what he lives for. Nick Troutman is a professional kayaker, an entrepreneur, he's a family man, and we chat about his career in the rapids, teaching his kids kayaking, and what they've been doing to stay sane during COVID. Nick is a fantastic individual uh, who also has a fantastic podcast called The Art of Awesome. But before we dive into this discussion, it would mean the world if you took just one minute of your time to leave Parent Quest a review on iTunes for me. And I would also love to hear from you, lovely listeners. So if you head on over to anchor.fm forward slash Parent Quest, you can leave me a voice message to play on the podcast. Give me a question, promote something, whatever you want, I don't care. I'd love to hear from you. So without further ado, here is Nick Troutman. How things been? How things been where you where you're at right now with COVID and everything going on? Yeah, I mean, uh, ironically for me, life's been pretty good. First of all, I, I can't complain too much because our family's healthy and happy, mm-hmm. and uh, I I prioritize that pretty high up on the list. So I can't complain uh, about anything else. Uh, but we're also pretty lucky in the sense that we've got a fair amount of property here. We live right beside, um, my in-laws, like what I was telling you earlier before we were online. And, um, and so we've got, well, my in-laws really have like 20 acres. We've got kind of like a, a, a corner lot on that. And so there's a lot of property for the kids to run outside. We've got like a tree fort and trampoline in the backyard. And so the whole like lockdown and, and everything hasn't really, you know, shut us out too much or locked us inside too much. But Mm -hmm. the biggest change for me is that, um, I'm a professional athlete and I'm usually on the road traveling around with my family in a, in a truck, in our RV for six to 10 months out of the year. And with all the events being canceled and everything like that and lockdowns or whatever, um, we, you know, went home for the, for the year. So that's the biggest difference for me is that I've just been spending my whole year here at home, which turns out I've never actually spent the summer at my house before. And it's pretty <laughs> nice here. So, um, so yeah, not too much to complain about, but mainly just focused on the fact that, uh, everybody's healthy and happy and, you know, we're just going to, we're just going to transition, I guess things are different, but it's d- different. Doesn't always mean bad. You know what I mean? It just yeah. means different. So, yeah. So, I mean, you're a professional kayaker, uh, entrepreneur, family man, um, you mentioning taking an RV and going out to different events and stuff. Uh, obviously those events aren't happening now with the virus, but are you able to still do that and, and capture scenes and stuff for your YouTube channel? And, and I don't know, kind of still take those trips because your sport itself, it's out, you're, you're in the outdoors. You're generally away from people, um, other than your, your little click there. Are you still able to take some trips? Well, ironically, um, 
So we, we actually went out on tour, like I call it going out on tour or whatever, but we, we packed up the RV. We, we started heading West and then we got to probably Arizona, I think. And COVID kind of happened. Everything was locking down. So we drove back, like turned around, drove back home. And like, as soon as we got home, I think two days after being home, a tornado hit and dropped this massive, like hundred foot tree onto our trailer and just destroyed it. Yeah. It kind of sucked. Um, luckily (laughs) nobody was in it. We were all in the house and stuff like that, but, but it still totaled the trailer. And so we've actually, we haven't had an RV essentially all year. Hopefully fingers crossed, uh, our new trailer should be ready like within the next couple of weeks. And then we'll be able to, you know, be back on the road and, and traveling around. So the lack of RV has definitely that and COVID. I mean, we, we just haven't really been on the road now in saying that we did, um, we went to North Carolina to the beach um, once this summer, just kind mm-hmm. of like to, to kind of get out and go do stuff. But we also are really lucky that we live like a couple miles from our local state park, uh, mm-hmm. the Rock Island State Park here in Tennessee. And so we were able to like get out and go hiking and go paddling and, you know, just do fun stuff as a family on a fairly regular basis. Um, and again, we've got like this summer, essentially what I ended up doing was I built like a fire pit and, you know, some gardens, greenhouse, like all that kind of stuff in the backyard. Cause I, you know, had all this extra time on my hands that usually I'm out competing and, and paddling and whatever. Um, so we kind of made some, some cool, like, I don't know, at home improvements to make, to take the adventure kind of like more to the backyard than like traveling yeah. around. But but essentially, as far as the travel goes, we we haven't really done a whole lot this year. But but again, it's been okay because you know we've just transitioned from you know doing those adventures all over the country to doing them a lot more either close to home or just you know in the backyard. Like we set up tents and, and just camped out in the backyard several times this this year with the kids. And yeah, we've been having fun. Yeah, I feel like uh, if you were to go back to 2019 and you would tell the majority of the world, hey. Your activities in 2020 is going to be hiking, being outdoors, and uh, not not being at the mall so much, or or uh, going to the local I don't play place or something. That, because that was, for us, that was a thing. Our daughter loved playing at the the play place at the mall and at the, and go to the park at the slides and everything. But when it's littered with so many people, you're taking you know you're increasing your risk. So going from there to all right, we're going to go on a three mile hike. And we're going to go enjoy, we're going to go enjoy nature and, and do stuff that we wouldn't normally do. I mean, I don't think half the world would believe you, obviously, with yeah. everything that's been happening. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I don't, I mean, ironically, most people have been, you know, trending away from the outdoors and, and people as a society anyway, at least here in America, seem to be going more like indoors and online or video mm-hmm. games or like whatever, all that kind of stuff combined. And this year, I think just with the combination of, you know, people being locked down and, and all this kind of stuff, people realized, oh my gosh, we've got this great outdoors that we haven't been utilizing. Like, right. that's it. We're going to go for a hike. We're going to spend some time outside. And, and, and it was cool to see in a lot of ways that a lot of families kind of were able to go outside and, and just, um, yeah, just be grateful for what they have, maybe just around the block or their nearest park or whatever, because there are a lot of amazing places here in the United States in particular, but, you know, around the world. And, you know, sometimes we don't always realize what we've got. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, even here, we lived in this house for about six years now, and it's a dead-end road. And at the top of the road, it just goes into the woods. In the woods. A huge ravine down there. I've never been up there, but it took until May for me to say, hey, let's go walk up the hill, see what's up there. And it's gorgeous. You walk in the woods, and there's just there's nothing up there except for just nature and trees. And obviously, it's where the family of deer live. That is always in our yard at night. So it's, yeah, it, it's... I'm a little ashamed to say it took me that long just to go check out what, you know, go on a little hike here locally. Yeah, I I, I would imagine that you're not the only one who has a similar <laughs> yeah. story. Um, I mean, we've explored a fair amount around here, but even still, we were still trying out different things, doing different things, going like I took you know, there's a probably like a four mile loop that's on a dirt road that I would, mm-hmm. you know, throw my kids on my bike and just we'd go bike around then. And and so I think everybody was kind of in the same, you know, same program of like, what can we do that's close to home, but that's kind of getting us outside and going to do something other than just being, you know, stuck inside. Right. So going into your profession, you are a professional kayak. Does do your kids show any interest in, in what you do for a living? Do you take them kayaking with you? Um, well, I'll, I'll stop there because I got follow-up questions with that. Yeah, so um, I've been, I mean, yeah, I'm definitely a professional kayaker and I've just been addicted to the sport since I was probably 13. <clears throat> and um, and for me to bring my, like I would just love to get my kids to enjoy kayaking and the outdoors as much as I do. And so I've been taking them out with me since they were before one, I think the day before their first birthday for both of them, uh, I would put them on my lap and I would definitely go kayaking to make sure that I could say like, Oh, I took my kids kayaking before they turned one, but we we've gone out a fair amount. Um, but I'm still pretty picky about, you know, having good conditions. I want it to be pretty warm out or, or nice or warm water so that I'm not trying to scare them away from the sport of kayaking. I want all the experiences outside to be fun experiences so that right. the next time they're more likely to be like, Hey dad, I want to go kayaking with you. Um, but this year we actually, we were able to take both of my kids out, um, several times and, I think it was three or four different times. I got my son in his own kayak running like a pretty, pretty gentle river um, on his own, which was, you know, a big step up for him. Cause usually mm-hmm. he's either been in like the front of a two person kayak or just on my lap and we would go down together. So for him to be in his own craft, like his own kayak and in his own control was the, was a big step for him. Um, but yeah, we'll see, we'll see how my kids, you know, take to the sport, whether they're going to, find it as, you know, thrilling and exciting as I do, whether they're going to become, you know, professional athletes on their own or whether it's just something that they do with, you know, mom and dad, Uh, time will tell, I guess, but either way, I'm just having fun with them. And I just really want to get them to enjoy the outdoors, whether it's kayaking, mountain biking, hiking, camping, Mm -hmm. just anything. I love the outdoors so much that any of that climbing, I mean, whatever they want to do, I'm going to try to introduce them to all the different aspects. So hopefully something will, will click whether it's kayaking or not. So I, I guess it's easy to say that you are an adrenaline junkie. Um, I mean, yes, yes and no. Like, I guess most people would say yes. Um, I definitely love, you know, running waterfalls and, and there, yeah. there is that thrill um, and excitement of kind of the unknown for sure. But mm-hmm. at the same point, I can go run something really easy. Um, and 
it doesn't have to be massive waterfalls. I can go run something super easy with my kids and have just as much fun now because I'm sharing this like this this joy and love for the outdoors with them when I'm just kind of on my own, then I'm usually doing something that's a little more challenging or a little harder because that's kind of where I'm getting the enjoyment out of it. Mm -hmm. But I can transfer that same thing to something super gentle and easy by sharing it with my, with my kids, my family. Do your kids have that, uh, like, let's say go getter attitude, kind of like if you see them kayaking and, and, do they want the, the rush of, of the sport or do they enjoy more of the just kind of relaxation of going down the river? And obviously they're still at a young age, so I'm sure introducing the rapids might not be the thing to do right now. Well, well, ironically, I've definitely introduced them to rapids at okay. a All much right. younger age, but, um, but I guess to answer your question, yes and no. So I've got a seven-year-old son and I've got a four-year-old daughter mm-hmm. and, um, Ironically, my son looks just like my wife and has a lot more of her um, mannerisms or outlook on life or just like is way more like my wife. And then Mm -hmm. my daughter uh, looks identical to me and has a lot more of my attitude. And and we're just anyway, it's funny how both of our kids are just like us, but, you know, of the opposite sex. Right. um, And so my son is a lot more like calm and collective and calculated. And my daughter is a lot more risky and, and just like probably a thrill seeker. Like she, we've got an open staircase up to, uh, to, to our bedroom and she'll like go on the opposite side of the staircase and like try to climb the, the railings. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh. Um, and I'm, I'm scared because I know how that was like me as a kid. And I know how that's going to like how I live my life and how I just, always needed more and more adventure and more and more excitement. And I'm just like, Oh, I'm going to be in for it with my daughter for sure. Mm-hmm. We'll see if my son is also going to turn into like more excitement and, and thrill as he gets older, or if he's just going to stay kind of more calculated and, and collective like my wife. But the other thing that we've talked about and, and tried to figure out is, and I don't know if there is a way to figure it out, but how my, my wife is a firstborn child Um, and so is my son and how much of that has to do with it, where I'm also a second born and my daughter's a second born. And so how much of the like second child, like, oh, the parents are going to be a little bit more loose with them and all that stuff versus like a first child, you're like, I don't know, more cautious. And so how much of that environment molded kind of their outlook on life versus how much of it was just, you know, genetics. Right. Yeah. Um, going to the the first and second child. So I was the baby of our family out of three. And by the time I came, my parents were kind of, you know, less lenient as to what I did. And and one time I came home and who I hung out with, whereas my wife, she's the first child of her family. And uh, her parents were more strict about, you know, her growing up and the things that she was doing. And uh, I mean, obviously I, I think it might be easier as a boy to get away with stuff as it is, as opposed to a girl. Um, yeah, I think things. too, just like the, I mean, I just remember when I was a first, you know, I was a parent and only had one child. I was pretty cautious. Oh Cause like, you don't know, you've never, you've yeah. never dealt with it before. You've got no idea. The whole thing is very like, Oh gosh, I've got this little child and I'm responsible now for mm-hmm. another life. Like, Oh my gosh. And so for me, anyway, I was much more cautious 
Um, and then, you know, our kids are three years separated. So by the time my second child came around, my daughter, I was, I was like, oh man, I've got this kind of figured out. Like I could be way more loose and they're, they're pretty rough and tumble. Like she'll be okay type thing. And so, yeah, I don't know if it's like just me and, and our parenting style, but, um, I definitely was more calculated and, and risk averse, I guess, with my firstborn versus my second. Yeah. Well, in, in your firstborn, um, it's, it's almost cake because you can switch between the both of you, but when you got two kids, man, it's a whole different ball game as far as raising them. And, and, uh, I don't know. So someone had mentioned to me, you don't, you're not a real parent until you have two kids, <laughs> which might not be the nicest thing to say to people that have only one kid, but it's, there's so much more responsibility in raising two kids, especially if they are a few years apart from each other, because uh, you deal with different things that you, you haven't dealt with when you have just one kid. Yeah. And I, I had a, a similar thing. My parents actually told me when, um, when we, when, when my son was first born, they're like, Oh, you're not a real parent until they can, you know, walk. And then yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. And then he starts to walk and they're like, well, it's, it doesn't really count until they're, they're running away from you. And then, mm-hmm. you know, they're running away. And, and then it's like, oh, well, you're not a real, real parent until you have like two kids. And yeah. now I, I'm a sibling of, of three children. So my parents had three, but we're definitely, you know, two is enough for us. I've got two yeah. hands. I've got one for each kid. I don't need to have three. So even if someone was to, to tell me like, oh, well, you're not a real parent until you have three. I'm like, well, that's cool. I'm, I'm yeah, fine I'm with done. being what I've got. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my wife had mentioned that she didn't know if she was done. I am done. Totally. Just at least for right now, give it like five years. We'll see what happens. We can revisit the idea, but right now it's just like, we got two kids want to make sure they're, you know, taken care of physically, mentally, all that stuff and, and live happy lives. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not saying that there's a right or wrong answer to how many children to have for sure. I mean, I think everybody it's, you know, they've got their own version and their own answer, but for me personally, you know, two is, two is a great number. Yeah. 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 I'm right there with you. Right there with you. Yeah. I can't even imagine going back in time. Like uh, my wife's parents or her grandparents had nine kids. My dad's parents had 10 kids. I mean, that's a lot of kids. It's a lot of kids. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. We. Yeah. I've got some friends that have uh, 12 kids and it, it still kind of just boggles my mind. I'm like, man, I guess they're just with the age gap and then the way it's all spread out. Like, I guess the other siblings help the younger siblings and, and almost like, I don't know if parenting is the right word, but definitely like help out a lot more, mm-hmm. but I can't even imagine. I, yeah. It, it, Let me take it total kids kayaking. Yeah. Yeah. Be a lot. Um, recently I had Will Gad on to talk about risk management. One of your friends, um, it's kind of how I got connected with you there. I I thought it was such an interesting thing and and it never really occurred to me, Hey, we got to teach our kids how to be careful other than like, don't touch the stove, don't cross the road without looking both ways. But for you taking your kids out on hikes and adventures, um, how have you gone into teaching them, you know, here are the risks, stay away from that? Yeah, uh, it's always tricky because um, I'm like, you know, maybe most parents or maybe it's just me. I want my kids to be safe, right? I don't want them to get injured. But at the same point, you got to kind of let them 
figure it out a little bit and, and kind of figure out the bumps and bruises and like, Oh, don't touch that. Cause it's hot. And I mean, I was the kid that my, my mom told me like, don't touch the stove. It's hot. And in my head, I'm like, don't tell me what to do. And I put my hand right on the stove and I'm like, Oh gosh, my hand She's now right. burns. Like it's horrible. Um, so as far as like me teaching that to my children, I just try my best to show them like what's dangerous and, and why it's dangerous or at least explain to them, maybe not show them. Um, and again, it's very different with each of my children. Like my son takes it a lot more probably at face value, whereas my daughter is a lot more likely to kind of push that boundary to see like, well, how far can I go until I get injured? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if I you know, told my son like, hey, don't do this because you might hurt yourself or like careful because this could happen. He's way more likely to maybe believe me. Um, but my daughter's still pretty young. So, I mean, I don't know if, if that'll change as she grows up as well. Um, we just, we've been pretty fortunate too, where we haven't had a whole lot of big injuries. Although my son right now, um, he actually just broke his leg on the trampoline on a trampoline accident. Yeah. Bummer. Uh, first time in a cast and stuff like that. So he's like hobbling around and whatever, but it's all good. And, and he's, he's actually in like great moods and everything about it, but I'm trying to now like the very, when it first happened, he's like, Oh, that's it. I'm never going to the trampoline ever again. And I'm like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. We just have to be careful on the trampoline. Like the trampoline, you know, isn't this evil thing, even though, you know, you're sad right now because your leg's broken and you're in a cast we just have to be careful about it. So it's kind of just like trying to explain how things can go wrong and, and accidents happen and all that kind of stuff and, and what the risks are, how to assess them and how to, I guess, just manage risk um, and just try to, you know, do your best to not be in a, in a dangerous or risky scenario, but still go and have fun and explore and be adventurous. Yeah. Yeah, I just um, recently watched your video on YouTube, uh, Living the Dream. Yeah. Yeah. It's a short two, three minute video. And uh, it's deep. For as short as it is, it's deep. But because you kind of go into your career, but then you take it back to the whole family aspect of, you know, you still want to be their father. You know, you don't want to obviously get caught up in a bad accident that could take you away from your family. Um, but that kind of brought the whole prospect of teaching your kids risk management. And uh, reassessing your life. Once you have kids, you, you kind of reassess your whole life as to what you're doing in life. It, it's all dedicated towards them and towards your wife at that point. Yeah, for sure. When I, I mean, I've been running class five, which is essentially the highest grade of Whitewater, yeah. if, you, if you're unfamiliar with how Whitewater is <laughs> graded. But anyway, um, I've been running class five for, for a while. I don't know, 15 years, 10 years, something like that. Um, and when I had kids, people would regularly say like, oh, you're going to stop running class five whitewater. You're going to stop running waterfalls, like all this stuff. And in my head, I'm thinking like, no, I'm, I'm still going to go out and and do what I want to do and, and live the adventure that I want to live. Um, but for me, I, it changed in the sense that I didn't want to take on unnecessary risk. I, I mean, I think it would be extremely selfish for me um, to, go out and risk my life and then my kids not have a dad to, you know, grow up with or my mm-hmm. wife to have, uh, you know, her husband to, to, you know, raise the children with and all that kind of stuff. 
So that would be like a really selfish thing for me to do. Mm -hmm. But at the same point, I still have to live my life because it's my life and I want to do what I want to do. And um, so now I just, I'm very calculated in what I do. Like, do I want to run this? Am I feeling, you know, in the mood to run this? Am I physically and mentally prepared for this? What are the possible outcomes? Um, what are, what's the likelihood of things to go wrong? All these different things. Like I'm running right. through all of this analysis in my brain before I ever take on major risk. I still do a lot of things that people would consider risky, mm-hmm. but I'm not taking on unnecessary risk in the sense that when I'm doing something that's risky, I better feel super confident on the outcome before I'm going to step into that arena. I think that's probably a lot of things that people don't think about when they go and see your highlight reels on YouTube and stuff like this guy is just going, you know, crazy. Just, I mean, the stuff that you do is totally gnarly. It's just, I don't know. I I don't know how you do it. Obviously a lot of practice, a lot of training. um, But I don't think that they look at the, the, scientific aspect of it, how you calculate, Hey, there's a chance that I might not make this, or there's a chance, you know, I'm feeling confident about doing this. Um, you've got the eye for the entire scenario there. You've got the, uh, the trained eye for it that I don't think people uh, take into account when they, they see your stuff. Cause I see you doing flips and stuff. I'm thinking, Oh my goodness, dude, how, how are you even doing that? How are you pulling that stuff off? But obviously you've got that trained eye for it, which is, uh, I don't know, something that you built over time. Yeah. A lot of people, I mean, I get it all the time that they're like, Oh, you must not have fear or you're crazy or all this kind of stuff that, you know, a lot of people would say anytime they watch any videos or, or, you know, social media or anything like that. And exactly what you're saying, they're missing the, the decades of experience and mistakes made and lessons Mm -hmm. learned. Um, and which enables me to assess risk and, you know, make calculated decisions that I do at this point in my life. I'm not saying I was always this safe. Like I definitely had points when I was, you know, 18 to 20 where I, I made foolish decisions and I consider myself extremely lucky in the sense that I was able to walk away from a couple incidences where I got lucky. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, but through that, you know, lessons were learned. I'm like, okay, well don't make stupid decisions anymore. And let's like, you know, run the analysis before I just like jump into running, different waterfalls or, or whatever it is, hard rapids, any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I feel like there's a lot, that's a thing that a lot of people do overlook. I wanted to, to touch on your podcast, uh, the art of awesome, uh, subscribe to it. It's, it's a great, great podcast. Um, Thanks. is this, is this something that you started at the beginning of COVID? Cause I noticed you have quite a few episodes out, but as far as I went back, I think it started, I think we start back in, August. Yeah. Something, something like that. I, I mean, in all honesty, I'd have to go back and even see when I started, it was, it was something that I started mid mid COVID you're correct. And I think it was about August of like maybe three months ago or something like that, but we've been doing two episodes a week. So I think we're already up to episode, I think today launched episode 36. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the whole idea behind the podcast, the art of awesome was just, um, a way to help give back, to share knowledge that I have acquired over years. Um, and then also just to interview top individuals in their own aspects, in their own fields, and to learn from them and share uh, their knowledge as well with listeners and, and people that want to essentially excel. The whole concept behind The Art of Awesome is, you know, the search for the secret sauce to success in, in whatever that is. 
um, that you're looking for. And we interview athletes and, you know, entrepreneurs, businessmen, health and fitness, uh, you know, individuals, all, all sorts of people from different aspects of and different walks of life. And my whole goal behind it really was if I could, you know, inspire one individual, if, if one person could get value from it, then I felt like it was a worthy, um, a worthy goal of mine to, to try to help. And I've, I've given back in a lot of different ways, um, you know, and throughout my career, um, mostly financially where I would donate money or I'd donate like all my prize money for a year or, or different things like that. And after having children, I realized like, okay, well, I, it's harder for me to just like give large amounts of money away because I've got more mouths to feed now. Right. And so I was trying to figure out like, well, how can I give back? Like that isn't just purely financial. And so my goal was to create something of value that I could share with people that isn't just, you know, money out of my pocket. It's something that I would help create and just give it out for free. And so that was kind of where the whole podcast uh, started from. And, and yeah, I've been having a lot of fun with it. So thanks for listening. I, yeah. I can say that you've successfully done that. There was an episode that I listened to recently. Um, one that caught my attention was the power of saying no. Yep. Um, I think people have a really hard time saying it, whether it's obviously uh, you'd mentioned opening up other opportunities that might happen if you were to agree to everything, or if you were to say no to stuff, other opportunities would open it up possibly. And you don't know that. Um, I never looked at it from that aspect. I just have a hard time saying, saying no um, just to people in general. It's a difficult thing to do. And uh, being able to actually do that uh, after I listened to that episode, I was able to reflect like, Oh man, yeah, this, he's totally right. There's stuff that I would have never been able to do if I hadn't say no. Right. So that, that episode stood out to me. Um, yeah, I, it was a good episode. So how, how are you finding time to, to, well, I guess you probably, it's pretty easy to find time now to be able to record two episodes a week. Cause I know for me just doing one a week, it's a struggle. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's just, it's time management, which I wouldn't necessarily say is like, you know, a strong point in my life. If you ask my wife, she would probably say I need to work on time management. <laughs> um, but the gist of it is I, after having kids, I have um, expanded my view of, of what can be done within a day. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody that's a parent probably would agree that pre-kids, you know, you think like, oh, I've got this much time in the day to get all this stuff done. Then you have kids and now you've got to do all of that stuff plus take care of kids, right? Yeah. And and prepare meals and, you know, get them dressed. We also homeschool our kids. Luckily for me, my wife does most of that, but I still help right. out a bit and stuff. And so there's a lot more stuff that needs to be done within a day. And, and um, I have just kind of realized that you can do it. Like once you just believe that it can be done, then you, you just magically are able to kind of get it done that. And I've probably gotten up a lot earlier than I used to get up before having kids. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I'll stay up late if I need to, but, um, yeah, I mean, to, to record two episodes in a week hasn't been too challenging for me. Um, but it, it is still, you know, another thing on my, on my plate that I've got to get done. And, uh, but really what it comes down to is it's just, you'll find a way to get everything done if it's a priority to you. Yeah. Um, and so for me, the podcast, I've just told myself that this is like my way of helping give back. And so therefore I've created it as a priority in my life. And, and 
once I've got that as a priority, it's really easy for me to make sure that it gets done. Whereas like something else, um, like cleaning the garage might not be a priority and therefore my garage yeah. is really dirty. Do you know what I mean? Same here. Yeah. I've, I've told my wife for the last month, Hey, I'm going to clean the garage today. No, uh, uh-uh, it, it hasn't happened yet. It's filthy, man. It's filthy. But I think 30 minutes as a parent is way more valuable than 30 minutes as just a uh, single, single person or a married person. Um, you learn to take advantage of, of the free time that you have when you're a parent. Yeah, for sure. And, and I also try to remind myself that no matter how busy I get and how many things that I have to get done, I try to also make sure that I've always got like a, a set portion of time um, that I'm also spending time with my children. Cause that's yeah. obviously, I mean, in my life anyway, that's a huge priority for me and mm-hmm. something that it, I regularly take on a lot of balls and I'll be trying to juggle a lot of different things in life. And I want to make sure that the most important ones aren't the balls that are getting dropped. And so for me, you know, a family is, uh, is definitely, you know, number one priority. So I I try to always make sure to, you know, either it could be as simple as like sitting down, making breakfast for the kids and just like talking to them and being like, Hey guys, like what's going on? Um, And we also try to do that every evening for dinner, like have a very, you know, set, family time for dinner. Um, but I also try every day to do something with my kids, whether it's, you know, taking them for a hike or playing on the trampoline or going outside or building Legos, playing dolls with my daughter. Like no matter what it is, I try my best to, uh, make sure that I'm always doing something with them. Even if it's just for like 15, 20 minutes, then I could at least go to bed, you know, thinking like, sweet, I'm glad I got to play Legos for 15 minutes with my kids or, or dolls or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's, that's real commendable. Uh, because I, I don't think uh, there's definitely parents out there that don't take advantage of, of that time. Whereas they think, you know, work, work, work or other, other things, but that's yeah. Commendable. Yeah. And, and I'm not I'm saying say I'm that. perfect. I mean, I definitely make mistakes and, and for sure there's times where my kids say like, Hey dad, come play Legos with me or come play, you know, dolls with me or whatever it is. And I'm like, Oh, d- you know, dad's really got to get his work done. Um, let me come in like an hour or something. Then I go when I'm done my work and they're off, you know, doing something else. And I've kind of missed mm-hmm. the opportunity. So I'm, I'm, you know, nowhere near perfect. I've got lots of work myself to improve, but I do try to, you know, make a note to make sure that every day I'm doing something with my kids. That is kind of like what they want to do. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That is, that is awesome. And Nick, I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule, taking time away from your family uh, to chat with me. I, I really appreciate that. Um, where can people find you on the internet? Um, where, where would you want people to, to know more about Nick Troutman? Well, first off, Kyle, thanks so much for having me on. I'm stoked to, mm-hmm. to join you on the podcast. Um, as far as where people can check me out, um, contact me, stay connected. Uh, probably number one would be uh, Instagram, just Nick Troutman Kayak. And that's K-A-Y-A-K if you don't know how to spell kayak. Um, and otherwise, I mean, check me out on YouTube, which essentially just you know, search Nick Troutman kayak or, uh, check out our podcast, uh, which is the art of awesome. And, um, yeah, I'd love for you guys to check it out and otherwise hit me up with a DM, um, on Instagram or something like that. I'd love to connect with you guys. Sweet. Uh, one last question. No problem. I'm curious. Have you ever been, you've been, to um, the new river uh, in West Virginia. Yeah. That's where I live in West Virginia. So, I'm I'm curious because they have the upper and lower goalie there and they say is that the lower goalie is one of the most dangerous places in the United States. The upper. 
but, yeah, but uh, I've, I've spent a fair amount of time in West Virginia, um, Fayetteville area, the, mm-hmm. the New River Gorge and uh, the Gauley River. And you're correct that the Upper Gauley is definitely, as far as commercial rafting goes, it's, I would say it's the most dangerous and most technical commercial rafted section in America. Um, but it's, yeah, they've, they've got some, you know, pretty legit whitewater and class five rapids and stuff like that. And we go there usually every fall when they do the fall releases. Um, and they actually, they usually host, uh, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, you know, kayaking whitewater festival there, Golly Fest every year, this mm-hmm. year for COVID, it was kind of, you know, canceled or postponed till next year, I guess, whatever canceled. Um, but yeah, there's just some amazing whitewater over in West Virginia. So always love going up there and having a good time. So I, I've accomplished the lower goalie, I guess, with a group of friends. Um, I, I couldn't imagine the upper goalie is, I mean, for me, obviously not being professional, uh, just out of curiosity, if you were to introduce your kids to the upper goalie, at what, at what age or what point would you feel comfortable introducing them to it? Oh gosh. Uh, at what age would I introduce my kids to I, the I upper golly. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of vague because they could, I mean, they may not take it into kayaking, but I guess at what point in life do you think that you'd feel comfortable taking them there? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm glad you, you differentiated age with, with skill because <laughs> skill, I'm like, yeah. man, it, um, there, there's a big, you know, gap there. It's, it yeah. has a lot more to do with skill than it does to do simply with age. Um, as far as if they were to kayak on their own versus rafting. I mean, if, if you go in a raft, you can, you can go into whitewater, way above your skill level because you've got a guide usually i guess if you've got a guide that mm-hmm. will kind of like take you rafting if you're in your own kayak you're kind of on your own so your skill level has to be essentially the skill level of the guide uh okay. you, you need to be pretty proficient um it would probably be a while until okay. i take my kids to the upper golly there, there's a we're still on the kind of class one two grade maybe mm-hmm maybe yeah we're not even a class three yet i don't think we're we're stuck in like the class two grade and the upper golly is class five so we've got a couple more stepping stones before we'll get the kids out on the upper golly but yeah uh, i can't wait because it's an amazing river and i'd love to share it with them yeah i'll be sure to keep an eye out for you for for the day that i see like oh i just took my kids out on on a class five i'm, I'm excited to hear about that adventure awesome What a radical guy. Nick, thank you so much for taking time to chat with me. Thanks to your family for giving you the time also. Uh, I cannot thank you enough. You lovely listeners, you can head on over to Nick Troutman Kayak on Instagram and Nick Troutman on YouTube to check out his posts and his videos. Uh, Before we wrap up, I would absolutely love if you took a minute to follow me on Instagram at parent underscore quest. Twitter, Parent Quest Pod, Facebook, Parent Quest, uh, anywhere. Just search Parent Quest on Google, and I'm sure you'll find the podcast and YouTube page there. Uh, it's been a podcast for a little over a year now, and, and now you can watch our discussions on YouTube along with other, other videos with myself and my daughter. Uh, if you like gaming, you might want to check it out. So please head over to the official Parent Quest YouTube channel and subscribe so you can be notified when new episodes and videos release. Thank you, lovely listeners, for tuning in this week to Parent Quest. And I can say with confidence that this week's quest has officially been completed.